like that. You want to try that. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show here on the Sear Falls Podcast. It's a little later episode than what I was originally anticipating for today, but we are here, finally, and we are live here at 352 on this October 21st, Wednesday afternoon edition of the Logan Blackman Show. Now, if you if this was on Monday, we would have about eight minutes until the Buffalo Bills versus the Kansas City Chiefs game started. Now, I'm not going to start with that. I actually have an announcement to make before the show starts, or like when we get into the, the main portions of today's show. And that is that I have lowered the prices on everything in the Logan Blackman Show store on Teespring. So go and check that out, because there's some cool stuff on there. I eliminated some of the old stuff, too, because I looked at it. I was like, why did I, why did I make that? I don't know why I made that. It was very weird to, to do that, but everything is lowered in the store. And I'm not saying, like, tiny lowered, like a dollar. I'm saying, like, 3 to $4 on everything throughout the entirety of the Logan Blackman store. And there's some great stuff you can get on there. We've lowered, we had a sweatshirt on here. And when I first did this on Teespring, I did what the price was that they were giving me. So like if a sweatshirt was say, I mean, $40, let's just use a $40. And that's what it said. I didn't adjust it. I didn't change it at all. So we had a sweatshirt on here. It was a Pacific color sweatshirt. I think is what the official color is of said sweatshirt. That was about $48 or something like that. I have the sweatshirt and it is one of the most comfortable, best sweatshirts that I own. But $48 is a lot for a sweatshirt. So I, of course, lowered the price down to $40. So if you want to go get that, it is pretty much $9 cheaper than it originally was. Everything is lowered. The unisex t-shirts that we have are the most comfortable, best shirts ever. We're $27.99 when I first posted them. They are all now $22.99, and they're the best shirts ever. The main reason they're the best shirts is that they don't shrink in the wash. That is priority number one when I did the saw the Eco Unisex shirts. They don't shrink in the wash. They are the most comfortable shirts ever. I'm not just saying that because they're my shirts, but they are legitimately the most comfortable shirts ever. I'm wearing one right now. I got the MV Peterman shirt on right now, and then I've got my Blogan White Man uh, sweatshirt on like the little crew neck sweatshirt, which those are now lowered from, I think $33 down to where's the, where's the sweatshirts to twenty eight ninety nine. Now the black on black one's twenty seven ninety nine. I just, I guess I forgot. I dropped that one a little lower. So you want to get a black on black sweatshirt. I have that one as well as well as the red one, the red on red, which is personally my favorite. We got blue on blue, white on white, green on green, everything you would want. I think a purple on purple one as well. Maybe not, but we got everything you could ever want. Unit of the Week's tank tops are up there. We got different tanks with the premium tank tops, the classic tank tops. We got everything for you. The Eco Unisex shirts are the best. I, Those are the best ones. I will. I wear those shirts all the time. Like I, I actually wear Logan Blackman Show stuff. I wear a mask, my Logan Blackman Show mask, every time I'm on campus or I'm in the store or something. And the mug, Peterman mug's not $10. The... Every shirt is different price. Like the classic T-shirts are eighteen ninety nine. The unisex shirts, as we said, twenty two ninety nine. The comfort shirts are twenty ninety nine. Like everything is just lowered. The classic uh, hoodies are like three dollars, thirty dollars. The premium pullover hoodies thirty five dollars. Like there's so many great deals on here. So I would just recommend that you go there. And of course, I'm not saying this just because it's my stuff, but it's fantastic stuff. All of this stuff's the most comfortable stuff you have. And Teespring just does. Does a madness. I'm wearing two things right now of the Logan Blackman show. The as we said, MV Peterman and the Logan White Man sweatshirt. Just go and get yourself some of that. Cause it's really cool. I had one of my friends last night send me a message asking where he could get some Logan Blackman show stuff. So of course I sent the link and that's what ultimately prompted me to drop the prices. Cause I was like, you know what? These things are pretty expensive. So I'm gonna lower the price on everything. So that's what I did. Out of the kindness of my heart. I lowered them. Well, it's more of the, it's easier to buy if they're lower. Not a lot of people are going to want to drop 30 bucks on a t-shirt. I mean, there's not a lot of people out there that would willingly do that. So I had, I was like, let's lower it down so people can actually buy it and then spread awareness of 
the Logan Blackman show or like advertise the Logan Blackman show, I guess, and get masks. We have fanny packs on the website. We have everything your heart could ever desire on here. We're working on getting hats on the website. Hats are one of the things that I really want to do because I wear a hat pretty much every morning when I wake up. And I just got out of the shower a little bit ago, so I'm all cleaned up, so I don't have a hat on now. But when I wake up in the morning, I'll throw on a sweatshirt. Today, I had my black on black Logan Blackman Show sweatshirt on with my Cubs hat. So I want to start making hats because I would love to wear a Logan Blackman Show hat. So while we're just talking about the Logan Blackman Show, make sure to go and follow it on all social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, Just search the Logan Blackman Show. They could pop up. Go follow my personal Twitter accounts where I've started post the link to the podcast, which is Logan underscore Blackman. Personal Instagram accounts, Blackman Logan, or just search Logan Blackman. It should pop up. But I don't. I haven't been posting on my Instagram any Instagram account because I can't. Because remember, my phone is still <laughs> busted. So I have only been posting the podcast on Twitter and Facebook. The one time I'm on Facebook a week, or th- I, I'm on Facebook three times a week usually. And that's just to post the link to my podcast. And then last night I posted the link to uh, the Logan Blackman Show store because we lowered prices on everything. So make sure you go like the Facebook page as well. Go subscribe to the YouTube channel while you're there, the Logan Blackman Show on YouTube. Go subscribe to that because there's a statistic on my YouTube channel that's like 97% of the people who watch my videos aren't subscribed. So please subscribe to the YouTube channel. Go subscribe to the podcast as well on Apple Podcast and Spotify. We got a perfect rating on Apple Podcasts, five stars, three ratings, five stars, perfect, perfect. But yeah, we got. To, I want to do a YouTube video coming up soon. I got a couple ideas in my head to do for a YouTube video, so stay tuned for that. So might as well subscribe to the YouTube channel while you're there. Just turn the bell on for notifications so you can even see when I upload. And I understand why some people don't subscribe to the YouTube channel because I share them on like every form of social media available to me, <laughs> Snapchat, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all of that stuff. But just go subscribe so the numbers look cool. You don't need to actually actively watch my videos. I would just ask if you would subscribe so it just looks cooler. And speaking of Snapchat as well, I haven't been able to Snapchat anybody, which I don't really Snapchat or text a lot of people minus group chats and my parents. So not having a phone has been weirdly not bad. as Not as bad as I thought it would be. To be 100% honest, I do everything on my computer anyway, so... Other than texting and Snapchat and posting things on Instagram, it's pretty much the exact same thing. Usually when I'm here in Cedar Falls, I have my phone next to me or behind me. I rarely even look at it anyway, so I'm really bad at responding to to messages. And now I'm even worse at responding because now I don't get the notifications from Twitter or anywhere else on my laptop. So, yeah. Hopefully we get my phone fixed really soon. I don't know exactly when we're going to get that fixed. But we're here. We're surviving. It's actually not that bad. Or at least not as bad as I thought. It's annoying, but it hasn't really affected me all too much, to be 100% honest with you. The alarms still work, which is really the main function that I need for my phone anyways, is using my alarms to wake me up in the morning. Those still work, so we are good to go. But we talked about the fun stuff, talked about the Logan Blackman Show store and how everything is on discount, talked about the social media accounts, talked about my personal struggles with my phone, with my first world problems there. Now we talk about the not-so-fun stuff. Now, most of this show today I am going to do about, um, what do you want to call it? Look at my preseason predictions for like baseball and stuff. And see how we did. We'll look at hockey as well because I don't think I've re-did, re-looked at my hockey predictions since I made them back in like probably a year ago now. And then we'll look at the... This is supposed to be a pre uh, prediction video essentially because there's not really a lot of stuff to talk about on Wednesdays because it's Wednesday. You'd recap sports on Monday. You'd talk about previewing games on Friday and then Wednesday you're just kind of stuck in the middle and go like, well, we got Thursday night football tomorrow. <laughs> No one cares about this, especially tomorrow with Giants-Eagles. Good Lord. This is one of the best rivalries in the NFL. The NFC East, historically, is one of the top divisions in football, if not the top. They're the only division in all of football that has every single team. Every single team in the division has a Super Bowl trophy. They're the only division to do that. Eagles have one. Giants have four. Cowboys have four or five. Four or five. One of those two. And the Washington football team have three. 
So, like, that's a historic division. But this year, good lord. We could just send them off. It's like cutting off Florida. Like, you know in the Looney Tunes where Bugs Bunny cuts off Florida and floats off into the Atlantic Ocean? That's what we kind of need to do with the NFC East. Cut it off and send it out in the Atlantic Ocean. Because it is the worst division in football this year. Combined, combined win totals for these teams are five. <laughs> we have five wins. Dallas has two. The Eagles have one. The Giants have one. And the Washington football team has one as well. Oh, my God. What an atrocity of a division this year. The NFC is just a weird cesspool this year. You got the Cowboys at the top of the division with two wins. The Bears are 5-1. and one. The Vikings are 1-5. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, yes, they have Tom Brady and Arians, are 4-2. and two. It's still weird to see that. Yeah. And the 49ers are the bottom of the NFC West. This isn't like three years ago. This is now when they were just coming off Super Bowl appearance. But, you know what? I expect things to right... Come around eventually. The Jets being 0-6, I bet that stays the course for the rest of the season because they suck. The Jets are very, very bad this year. So when Trevor Lawrence eventually goes there, um, then the hatred or make fun ofness, I guess, of the hazing of Sam Darnold from the Logan Blackman show can stop because he won't be on the Jets anymore. He'll go to the Colts. as That's what I'm thinking. Colts or Steelers are the two most logical destinations for Big Sam that I can see. Steelers, okay, let's go why these two. We'll start with the Steelers. Steelers are 5-0 and and are not going to be in the range to get a franchise quarterback. They haven't been in the range to get a franchise quarterback, what, since the 90s? Like, if you look back at the Steelers in the early 2000s when they got Big Ben, like, there's never been a time where the Steelers have been, like, at that spot to where, oh, yeah, we should look at a franchise quarterback. They've always been around, like, 15 and up, maybe even 20 and up. And then they got Mason Rudolph, they got Joshua Dobbs, they got Doug Hodges, they've had um, Bruce Gretkowski, Charlie Batch was there. Like They've had a lot of backup quarterbacks to Ben Roethlisberger, and none of them, especially Mason Rudolph, are the answers to post Ben Roethlisberger, who's doing a Brett Favre of essentially being, I don't know if I'll retire, or I'll retire this year, I might retire, I don't know if I am, I will retire, I don't know, I'm, it's going to be weird. So Sam Darnold... Going from the Jets to the Steelers would make a lot of sense. He's a mobile guy. He's played in New York, so he's played with bad teams. He go to the Steelers and instantly, you can't get much more polar opposite than the New York Jets and the Pittsburgh Steelers. The way those franchises are run are ridiculously different. The Steelers have had three coaches in their existence. Chuck Noll, Bill Cower, and now Mike Tomlin. Like They've had three coaches ever. <laughs> The Jets might have three coaches this year. <laughs> oh, man, the Jets are gross. And the Steelers, I hate the Steelers. I've never been a Steelers fan or a Steelers, like, let's go Steelers, like, even at all. I've never even once said go Steelers except for right now because I just said it. But I think Sam would do very well there. You look at the Jets off to line, Steelers craps on it. You look at this, the weapons the Jets have. Steelers crap on it. You look at the running back selection the Steelers have compared to the Jets. Steelers crap on it, especially now when Le'Veon Bell is off to Kansas City. He'll be in action for the Chiefs this weekend. And the Steelers have not been shy at trading away picks. They've got a really good team. They did that with Minka Fitzpatrick, who completely helped reshape the defense, who went from average to superstar and like that. Now, they obviously had other great players on that defense, like Cam Hayward and Joe Hayden, among others, Bud Dupree, but they went super sane once they got Minka Fitzpatrick. Now, I'm not saying Sam Darnold will do the same thing to the offense, but the Steelers' offense is basically running on, what, 70% Big Ben? It's not even 100%. I refuse to believe Big Ben's at 100% or has ever really been at 100% in his time at Pittsburgh. I think Sam Darnold will be perfect there. And you look at the Colts as well. They're in a similar situation where they, their quarterback situation, none of them are better than the other one. Phillip Rivers is not really an upgrade on Jacoby Brissett. They're pretty much the same exact quarterback at this point. Now, if you said this is Phillip Rivers from 10 years ago, well, of course, Phillip Rivers is the best quarterback on the Colts. But this is 2020 Phillip Rivers, who's fresh off of a 23-20 season. It's touchdowns and interceptions. 
now coming to the Colts. He hasn't played bad on the Indianapolis Colts, to say the least. Their defense is playing out of this world, and their O-line is better than the Chargers have ever had, minus LT's MVP season. Like, it's ridiculous. Sam Darnold would be perfect with the Indianapolis Colts. Oh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. He'd be perfect for any one of those teams. And you look at the weapons the Colts have. You have the likes of Michael Pittman there, rookie from USC. T.Y. Hilton, one of the most consistent receivers in the NFL, minus injuries. Uh, Paris Campbell's there. Jonathan Taylor, Naheem Hines with the offensive line. Like, Sam would feast in Indianapolis. And he'd be out of the AFC, so I wouldn't have to dislike him anymore because I like Sam Darnold as a person. I don't care for him as a quarterback. I wouldn't want him to be my franchise quarterback. I think he's talented, but there's a difference between being talented and good. There is a big gap in that regard. Saying, like, oh, Logan, he's a, I don't know, he's a very talented football player. Well, he's, he's not good, but he's talented. <laughs> I, I would consider myself a pretty talented athlete at certain points throughout my life. But I would rarely say I was, like, good. But I was at, I'm an I was an athlete. I went looking at my body now. I would definitely not call myself an athlete, or I'm in pristine condition to even think that I am an athlete. I still got a couple juke moves in there, and I can still run pretty fast. But I do not look like an athlete anymore. I am probably 215 right now. I weighed 190 my senior year of high school. That A lot of that to do with gaining muscle my through my freshman and sophomore years at William Penn. The rest of it has been not working out as much. But, whatever. But yeah, there's a difference between talented and good. I think Santarnold is talented. But at this point in his career, it's hard for me to see that he is actually a good quarterback. I don't think the Jets absolutely sucking dick is his fault. 100% his fault, I should say. It's He's got, obviously got some parts to do with it. Now he's got another injury. He'll probably play 13 games again because that's what he does every single year. So now we get treated to watching Joe Flacco with <laughs> Frank Gore for the New York Jets. But Sam on the Steelers or Colts would be the ideal destinations for him. And other quarterbacks in that draft class, Lamar set in Baltimore, Josh set in Buffalo, Whatever happens to Baker and Cleveland, he's just an average quarterback. There's not really – he doesn't do anything special. He sometimes makes the wrong – or makes the right decision, but he's just average. He's going to be one of those quarterbacks that's dictated on the run. He's like another Trent Dilfer. That's what he kind of reminds me of. He's going to be a quarterback that gets carried by a good team. Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl with the Ravens because Jamal Lewis, Shannon Sharp, and the Ravens defense. Like, it wasn't anything that Trent Dilfer did, and I love Trent Dilfer. But Baker Mayfield's going to be one of those guys. If he didn't have Nick Chubb or Kareem Hunt or Odell or Jarvis or any of those guys, he'd just be an average quarterback. And the bad thing is you don't draft average quarterbacks number one overall, and that's the situation the Browns are stuck in. Now, their GM that drafted him, John Dorsey, is gone. Their coach that drafted him, Hugh Jackson, is gone. So the Browns have no ties to Baker Mayfield. At least this front office doesn't. You see this in Chicago with the GM, Ryan Pace, the guy who drafted him, is still there. So that's why Trubisky has lasted as long as he has in Chicago. The Browns, they got Baker, and the guys that drafted him are gone. (laughs) Nowhere to be found anymore. So, what do the Browns do with Baker? I don't know. He's just a bang average quarterback. That's why when we when I did the tier list last Friday, it did the quarterback uh, prospects, so what they were when they were getting drafted. Baker was above average. He wasn't considered an elite prospect. He was just an above average prospect that no one thought, except for the Browns, should go number one overall. He didn't do anything special like Sam Darnold or even Josh Allen, who didn't put up great numbers in college, but showed off that he had flashes of great potential with his arm talent and athletic ability. Baker did nothing spectacular. And unlike Kyler Murray, who came after Baker Mayfield, Lincoln Riley offense, Kyler Murray does things that are like, yeah, this is an elite prospect. He's mobile. Now, Kyler did not play good against the Dallas Cowboys on Monday night, which we'll talk about that in a little bit, but... Baker's not special, and I think everybody in the NFL has realized that except for the Cleveland Browns, who maybe are looking at a quarterback this offseason. Maybe. 
They got Case Keenum as a backup to Baker. They haven't signed Baker to a big contract yet. Still on his rookie deal. So what do the Browns do with him? The only quarterbacks that are set in that draft class are Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. And Josh didn't play great on Monday either. And we'll talk, again, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Josh Rosen, will he ever get his chance in at uh, Tampa Bay? I thought he'd be a perfect quarterback for Pittsburgh after Big Ben left. Not in similar styles of quarterback, but I just thought he'd be he'd be a nice fit there. Him, I bet. Actually, you know what? I think Sam Darnold fit wise would go better in Pittsburgh, and I think Josh Rosen could do well in Indianapolis. Or if Tom Brady retires after this season or a couple seasons down the line, and Blaine Gabbert's gone, Rosen might have a chance to start in Tampa. Does he fit Bruce Arians' offense? Uh, yeah, I guess. He can throw the he can sling the ball over the field. He doesn't have the arm talent of say a Big Ben or a Carson Palmer, but he does have a decently strong arm. So he might be able to fit. Now if he doesn't, then the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will move on. And so I think the Colts might be a good spot for him, but the Steelers and Colts will be movers for quarterbacks this offseason because Rivers has essentially said he's retiring at the end of the season. He's already got a job lined up coaching high school football, so he's done. So the Colts are not going back to Jacoby Brissett, who is just an average to below average quarterback. Showed flashes of what he could do in the early parts of last season, but then completely fell off the face of the earth towards the latter parts of the season. Beat the Kansas City Chiefs, and then after that, it was all downhill from there, which I guess it's the same for a lot of NFL teams. If you beat the Chiefs, there's pretty much no higher you could go because you're not. no one's better than them. Except for like this year when you got the Steelers, Titans, and Seahawks all record-wise better than them. But the Chiefs are the best team in the NFL. I don't care if they're, they've got that one blip on their record with the loss to Las Vegas Raiders. But whatever. But yeah, where do all these quarterbacks go? Because the Browns, that I don't hate Baker Mayfield. I don't even really dislike Baker Mayfield. I'm kind of neutral to Baker Mayfield. I'm not going to lie. When I was... When this draft was going on in 2018, my dad and I wanted Baker Mayfield in Buffalo. And then, like, three hours before the draft started or something like that, and then Daniel Jeremiah breaks the Browns are taking Baker Mayfield. It was like it was between, the day before, it was between Baker Mayfield and Josh Allen that the Browns were taking. And then Daniel Jeremiah released his final mock draft and said, yep, it's pretty much happening at this point. Browns take it, Baker. And that's where we are now. I think Sam Darnold might have been fared better in Cleveland than Baker, but you know we'll never know because hypotheticals. And you don't know how each quarterback is going to fare in each situation. You don't know how each quarterback is going to, if they're going to be as good or better or worse than they are in their current situation. But yeah, that 2018 draft class, five quarterbacks taken in the first round. A lot of good quarterbacks in that draft class prospect wise not of all of them have panned out in the NFL like they thought I don't think a lot of people really expected Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen to be the two best of this class everybody thought it'd be Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen were the two best quarterbacks in this class that was like the as far as pure quarterbacks go that was the two top guys Josh was a great prospect uh Baker won in college but the attitude scared some people off and he didn't really do anything that wowed you and Lamar, a lot of people, for some reason, wanted to switch to wide receiver. And now he's won a unanimous MVP at a 14-2 record last year. And I hate the people. Now, this is a random tangent, which we never do here on the Logo Blackburn Show. But people who say Lamar Jackson is a system quarterback are annoying. Because there's a thing here that annoys me about the word system, or the phrase system quarterback, is Lamar Jackson is the system in Baltimore. It's not like this was this ready-made system that Jim Harbaugh just had in his head, or John Harbaugh had just had in his head and said, this is how our offense is going to work. Otherwise, they wouldn't have had a quarterback like Joe Flacco. They never ran this style of offense before, predicated with three tight ends and a power running game. That wasn't the Ravens' offense until Lamar got there. And then the Ravens completely changed their style of offense because Lamar is the system. So they say Tom Brady is a system quarterback. Just shut up. As you see, Tom Brady is still balling out in Tampa. Now you can go like, oh, but he's a system quarterback. He's got all the weapons in the world in Tampa. And it's not fair to judge Tom Brady at this point in his career at 40, what, 43? You can't judge Tom Brady 
Now he just played. They played the Packers last week, and he was talking to a guy that he played college. His played college football with his dad. He was on the Packers. Like Tom Brady's old as dirt, but he's still kicking it. And Tom Brady's the greatest of all time. Because if you watch Patriots highlights or go go and entertain yourself some Bill Belichick mic'd up videos, and go watch the Patriots offense. Or go watch Bill Belichick while the Patriots offense is on the field. And watch Bill Belichick celebrate like a madman when the Patriots score touchdowns. Oh, you, what? What? Oh, you won't see that because Bill Belichick doesn't care about the offense. Bill Belichick is the greatest coach of all time, but is not an offensive coach. I don't know why people just tend to push aside that he is one of the greatest defensive minds in football. He's not an offensive mind. He's the He was the defensive coordinator for the New York Giants when they beat the Bills in the Super Bowl. Bill Belichick's a defensive head coach, not an offensive guy. Tom Brady is the system, and the system is not working in, in New England at this point. Yes, Bill Belichick is the greatest coach of all time. Yes, Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time. Brady's not a system quarterback. Lamar is not a system quarterback hate the phrase system quarterbacks because the system only works if you have that guy because the system is predicated around the starting quarterback. Okay? I hate the phrase system quarterbacks. It's a stupid, stupid phrase. It's one of the dumbest phrases in sports, system quarterback. Oh, well, how would he do if he... What would happen if you switch Aaron Rodgers and put him in Bill Belichick's system? He'd probably do good. He's Aaron Rodgers. It's not like Aaron <laughs> if you took Tom Brady out of Tam- out of New England, which you have now, he's all of a sudden a trash quarterback. That's essentially what the thing is. You took Tom Brady out of New England, he'd be trash. No. No. As he's doing very well for himself down in Tampa Bay at 43 years old with the best weapons he's ever had. Tom Brady was the I hate hate the phrase system quarterback. It's like, could you imagine what Bill Belichick would do with Aaron Rodgers? I bet he'd do the exact same thing. Because it's Aaron Rodgers. Like, what would happen if Patrick Mahomes was the same? It's the same thing. He's a great quarterback. Every If you're a great quarterback, you're going to do great in other places. It's not like you're great one spot that completely asks the next place you go. Sometimes it's the case. Sometimes. But I hate, I hate that phrase. But let's talk about, uh, we brought up Patrick Mahomes. So let's talk about that um, atrocity known as the Monday afternoon football game. 17-26 was the final in Buffalo. Bills kept it close for a little bit. 16-10 at halftime. Should have really been 16-13 at halftime. Tyler Bass like shanked a field goal, never making it. And when I was working at 16-50, the fan on Monday, we had this game pulled up while we were watching the game. Or while we were doing our show. And it was... I just wish I didn't watch it. The Bills' rush defense. This is weird. The Bills held Derrick Henry to 50 yards rushing Tuesday night. They held Clyde Edwards-Alaire to 161 rushing yards. 161 on 26 carries. Good God. What kind of run defense is that? He has not rushed for over 65 yards once, minus week one. And then he ran for 160 yards this past week. He absolutely torched the Bills' rush defense, which the Bills' rush defense over the past few seasons has easily been the worst part of their defense. The Bills' defense has been in the top three or top five in total defense for the past, ever since Sean McDermott's been there pretty much. But the rush defense has been the thing that's kept it from being number one. The pass defense is an elite, is elite. Trey White, Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, the best, well, not maybe, the most underrated safety duo in the NFL. The interior D-line of the Buffalo Bills is not great. Ed Oliver is a great pass rusher. He's actually done pretty well run-stopping-wise for the Bills defense, but He's 280 pounds, which to the average person, yeah, that's a big person. To the NFL, that's not a very big guy for a lineman. It's a big guy, obviously, but it's not, like, big. The Bills don't have that monster in the middle. That's why I was very upset 
when Damon Harrison, William Penn legend, went to the Seattle Seahawks instead of the Buffalo Bills. He played New Jersey twice, so why not just make the move to New York? Actually play in New York. But of course he didn't. He went to Seattle. He's one of the best run stoppers in the 21st century NFL, or at least the 2010s. One of the best run stoppers the league's seen in this time frame. But he would have been perfect for the Bills. You have him with Ed Oliver, that would have been absolutely fantastic. Now I've heard the Bills linked with a couple of big interior D linemen, but will it actually happen? I, I don't know. I would love it to happen, but will it? I don't know. Like Fletcher Cox has been a name that has been thrown around with the Buffalo Bills, and he would he's going to be priority number one, at least you would hope. An experienced guy, Super Bowl champion, 310-pound big boy, could help clog up run lanes in Buffalo, which is the big thing the Bills have been struggling with over the past few seasons. But for some reason, it's their 12th in rush defense, but 24th in pass defense, which is like the exact opposite of what they have been. But they got absolutely gashed by Clyde Edwards-Lair. It was terrible. And the game was not a pretty game. Let's put it like that. It was rainy. It was cold or little cold from what I could tell. And cloudy, rainy, rained the entirety of the game. So that means you need to run the ball. Now the announcers, of course, were given Patrick Mahomes all sorts of excuses every time he made a bad pass. And Josh Allen was, he's inaccurate. Which is, it's going to happen when the face of the NFL is playing on a primetime game. Even though it wasn't technically primetime, it was Monday afternoon. But the Bills had 84 rush yards. The Chiefs, as a team, had 245 rush yards. The Bills had 23 rush attempts as a team. Clyde Jalair had 26. The Chiefs, as a team, had 46. That's why they won the game. And they only won by, ten, what, 9 points? I had a 10-point victory for the Chiefs. I had 31-21, so this was actually pretty close to my score prediction. But the Bills did not game plan for that. They did the exact same thing against the Philadelphia Eagles last year. They got absolutely destroyed on the run by Miles Sanders. Carson Wentz gashed them with big run plays. Like, they got burnt by the Eagles' rush team, rush offense. In a game, situations like that, where it's pouring rain the entire game, or at least raining, I'm not going to say pouring rain, but when it's doing that, you need to run the ball. Now, I don't know if they don't feel, oh, sorry, that I they maybe not feel that uh, Devin Singletary is the guy or Zach Moss is the guy. That's why I would have loved them to go out and get someone like a Le'Veon Bell who has rushed for over 200 yards against the Bills in one game. That was a guy I would have really liked. He wouldn't be the main... He would. He should would be the main guy in Buffalo. And I love Le'Veon Bell, the player. On his day, he is the best running back in the NFL. On his day. Which he hasn't been on his day, quote-unquote, in a few years. The year sitting out did not help him and also lost him a lot of money, which I... I bet, I bet he doesn't really like that he did that anymore. I bet he looks pretty dumb because running back, sadly, my favorite football player of all times is a running back, LaDainian Tomlinson. Their value is getting diminished because other players can come in. You can get good running backs at any point in the draft. There's good running backs all over the place in the NFL. You don't necessarily need to pay your running backs millions upon millions of dollars. Like Todd Curley got paid a lot of money. He got released. J- David Johnson got paid a lot of money. He got traded. Melvin Gordon wanted a lot of money, sat out for a little bit, and now is on the Broncos and screwed himself out of money in L.A. You see running backs do this. Le'Veon Bell, another example of that. There's a few years ago, the top two running backs in the NFL, or top three running backs in the NFL were David Johnson, Todd Gurley, and Le'Veon Bell. All of them are not on the teams that they used to play for when they were the best guys. But yeah, Bills got absolutely destroyed of the run. It was a stupid game to watch. And yeah, I'm not I'm not off the wagon yet. I mean, it's not over. At this point in the season, when I was doing my record predictions, this is what I had the Bills. Four and two at this point, back-to-back loss to the Chiefs and Titans. And that's exactly what's happened. So I'm not really worried at this point. Josh played bad. Every quarterback played bad. We're not going to hop on Lamar Jackson's ass because he sucked against the Chiefs. No. So let's hold off on Josh is terrible because he lost to the Super Bowl champion Chiefs and played bad against the Tennessee Titans, which actually statistically, minus like completion percentage and stuff, on third downs, he's still 
and that game played very well. And two of his interceptions, the two interceptions he had were terrible. The first one wasn't his fault, but the second one was a terrible one. But yeah, bad game. Bad overall game, and they'll move on. They play the Jets this week, so hopefully, knock on wood, they'll bounce back. And the last game, Cardinals-Cowboys. Cardinals absolutely brutalized the Cowboys. Kenyon Drake, 164 yards, two touchdowns in the game. Yeah, and it was funny because Mike McCarthy after the game says, we thought we were very prepared for this game. Most prepared we've been all year was for this game. Obvious not. 38-10? to Kyler Murray did not play good in this game. He went 9 for 24, 188 yards, two touchdowns. But you don't hear the media talk about how bad he played against the Cowboys because they won the game. He also had 74 yards rushing and a touchdown. The the Cardinals held Zeke to under 50 yards rushing, and they won the game. Absolutely brutalized the Dallas Cowboys. I love Kyler Murray. He's one of my favorite quarterbacks in the NFL. He was my one of my favorite quarterbacks while he was at Oklahoma and even a tiny bit at AM while he was competing with Kyle Allen there in that really weird quarterback battle post Johnny Manziel. But Kyler Murray's a baller. But this game for him statistically it was not a great game. If you want to look at completion percentage wise and attempts and completions, all that. But we're not going to hop on him. We're not going to hop on Kyler Murray, but we'll hop on Josh because it's just the way the national media, how it works. And it's not fun, but you know what? Whatever. And for tonight, or not tonight, tomorrow night, Thursday night football, Giants-Eagles, again, uh, two very bad teams. Giants have the worst offense in the NFL. They'll be looking for a quarterback once we suspect this offseason as well. Much like we talked about with Baker Mayfield being considered an above average to average to above average quarterback when he got drafted. Daniel Jones was an average to below average quarterback coming out of college. And he got drafted sixth overall. You don't draft guys that are average or below average in the top 10, let alone sixth overall, or even in the first round. You don't do that. And now the Giants are facing... They're, what do you call it? They're reaping what they sowed, or they they're laying in the bed that they made, and it's going to lead them to having a top pick in this year's draft because their team is terrible. Their offense sucks. Now it's going to be a lot of uh the fact that Saquon Barkley is out this year, who is really the main point of their offense. Their O line sucks. They've got two young tackles on their team, but Daniel Jones is just not that good. Simple. That quarterback draft class, that first round, Dwayne Haskins, Daniel Jones are just not good. They're both just not very good. Uh, Eagles, Carson Wentz has had a bad year. Hasn't had a great year. Played decent last week towards the end of the game. But he's. this has been a very bad year for him. And, yeah. We'll see how he does this game. Eagles are minus four and a half favorites in this game. I'm going to go with the Eagles. They cannot lose to the Giants, can they? They can't lose. The, they lost to the Washington football team, but they can't lose to the Giants, can they? I know the Giants beat the Washington football team, but the Eagles can't do that, can they? No. I'd hope not anyways, but I'd say the Eagles will win. Big news, though, for backup quarterbacks, speaking of like those quarterbacks, Dwayne Haskins getting benched. Ryan Fitzpatrick, quarterback of the Miami Dolphins, got benched for two attack of Viola. And from what I've read, it's not anything that Ryan Fitzpatrick did or didn't do. It was just how good Tua was in preparation to getting the starting job. Now, he played a little bit last week in garbage time, and uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, of course, was heartbroken. But when you have a guy like Tua that you drafted fifth overall, and he's as talented as he is, it's going to be hard to ignore the fact that we should, this guy's really good. We should probably play him. No, we got We should sit him for a year. He just came off an injury. But, yeah. but he's really good, though. He drafted fifth overall. But Ryan Fitzpatrick's been playing pretty good, too. What do we do? I say we just keep. We just might as well play the rookie. For we've got fans coming back, so we gotta like get fans. And two was exciting. We haven't had an exciting quarterback since. I think the last exciting quarterback we had was Chad Pennington. Oh yeah, I forgot about Chad Pennington. It wasn't very exciting, was he? No, but based on our standards, that was actually pretty exciting. Yeah. Okay, let's play. Let's play Tua. Yeah, let's let's go with Tua. I feel bad for Ryan Fitzpatrick, but, you know, it's the nature of the business. You got a young guy, fans are clamoring for a two attack of Iola. They literally had the moniker tank for two. I think it was trademarked. It might not have been trademarked, but whatever. I'll say it's trademarked. 
But he'll be the starter for the Miami Dolphins next week. The Dolphins are on a bye week this week to get to a properly ready to start an NFL game, which is probably smart. Good time to get him into the game. You can't have a better quarterback to learn from than Ryan Fitzpatrick. So best bridge quarterback in football. So, yeah, good luck to Tua um, for whatever he does the rest of the season. But I don't, I'm not a Dolphins fan, but I like Tua. So good luck, Tua. Hope you have some sort of success in the NFL, at least some success. You don't need to you don't need to be the best. I mean, it wouldn't hurt my feelings if you were terrible. I'd feel bad for you as the person, but the player, you know what? We I could uh, I I'll take or leave since you're in Miami now. I just yeah, just the the colors you wear and those nasty uniforms that they have. If they went back to the retro ones, I might like you more, but you know what? We're going to going to hold off my liking for you Tua. so sorry about that but i'll i'll see you later and we got about how much time we got left got about 20 minutes left in this wednesday edition of the logan blackman show so let's go over the predictions the preseason predictions for the nhl and the mlb let's start with the nhl first since that season ended a little bit ago oh god there's one thing that i actually find really funny about my preseason predictions for the NHL. And I'll talk about that towards the end of my segment. Now, I never did a, um, what do you call it? A redo of my predictions when COVID started and the whole NHL thing came back. So we're going to do it, look at it as, oh, this is so weird. I don't like how this play out. This thing's going to, I'm just going to go off standings. Okay. So we're starting off with the Eastern Conference in the Atlantic Division. We had Tampa, Toronto, Boston, Florida, Buffalo, Montreal, Detroit, Ottawa. That's actually very close to being dead on. Tampa, of course, won the Stanley Cup. They came second in the division. Toronto came third. Boston won the division. Florida was fourth, so we got that dead on. Buffalo coming in fifth. (laughs) I feel bad for the Buffalo Sabres because they played two less games than the Montreal Canadiens and had three less points than the Canadians. You're not, you're telling me the Sabres couldn't have made that ground up and finished fifth. So I'm going to hold that off. Uh, this one was just bad. The, so the Canadians, I had come in sixth. They came fifth, the Red Wings. <laughs> oh man. I don't know if you guys have seen this, but the, the COVID map for when the NHL returns in this next season has the Red Wings and Blackhawks back up again. I cannot rate, wait to absolutely dick slap the Detroit Red Wings again. It's been a long time since the Blackhawks have done that. And the Red Wings, have they had 39 points on the season. 39. They had 49 losses. <laughs> 39 points. They had more losses. You don't really see this that much in the NHL, but they had more losses than win than points. You get points for ties and wins. They had 49 losses. They had 10 more losses than wins easily the worst team in hockey. And I was stuck doing this predictions. I put the Red Wings above the senators. I couldn't, I figure out either way. This division, the Atlanta division wasn't actually that far off. Now the metropolitan division. Ooh, I see one big L right at the start. But uh, Washington came first. I had them coming first. I think that was pretty self-explanatory. I had Carolina coming in second. They finished fourth. Pittsburgh in third. They came third. New Jersey. This, I just in the Eastern Conference alone, I, I haven't checked the, the Western Conference yet. New Jersey came eighth. Dead last in the Metropolitan Division. I bought into the fact that they had a quite a few good signings and bought into the young core that they had and before they completely decided let's let's not be good. Let's actually be very bad. And finished the season with 68 points. They were the only team in the Metro Division that didn't make the playoffs. Everybody else did. Everybody else did. Except for the, <laughs> the Devils. They sucked. That was a little drinking the Kool-Aid a little too much for Logan's sake, but they did not come forth. The Philadelphia Flyers in fifth, they came second. They actually had a very successful season uh, for their standards for where they were at the time. And their goalie played out of his mind, stood on his head numerous times throughout points of the season. 
New York Rangers in sixth. They came seventh. And the New, uh, New York Islanders, I had seventh. They came fifth. And then last place, the Columbus Blue Jackets came in. I had them eighth. They came in sixth. I was so confident in that one going into the season. But they had 14 overtime or 15 overtime points. Overtime losses, I should say, which was the most in the NHL. So they got points for that. That kind of saved them a little bit. They had 22 losses, which was third least in the Metropolitan Division. But those overtime games saved them on points. I was super confident. Lost Panarin. They lost Bobrovsky, who went to Florida. And Florida uh, was just average, I guess. So I was just like, oh, yeah, they're done. They're going to suck. They're going to be the worst team. I think I was like, they're going to be like top three worst teams in hockey because obviously Ottawa and Detroit were going to be the two worst. I think that was set in stone at the start. But yeah, Columbus did not come in eighth. They actually came sixth and made the playoffs, but this was the COVID playoffs, so we're, it's going to, going to have a last year. But this one hurts. Uh, the Central Division, let's go to the Blackhawks Division. I had Nashville winning it. They came fourth. Then Dallas coming in second, they came third. St. Louis third, they came first. Colorado coming fourth, they came second. And this one hurts the most. The Blackhawks coming in fifth, finished seventh. Then Winnipeg, then the Wild coming in dead last in the division for my rankings. Now, the Blackhawks made it farther than the Wild in the playoffs. So I will take that dub where I can get it. They did not play great throughout the regular season. But you know what? Got farther in the playoffs. You know what? Yeah, beat the freaking Oilers. We'll take it. But that that one is the only division so far, as I'm looking at it, that we did not get a single spot right. Oh, this might this next one, the Pacific Division. I think a lot of people got this one way wrong, but this one hurts the most. First, I think you could tell if I'm pause. If you know I'm pausing, you know why I'm pausing. It's because I had the San Jose Sharks finishing top of that division. Came dead last, 63 points on the season, which was the third least in the NF- NHL. Third least. They were terrible. They were absolutely atrocious this year. I don't know what came over them this year. I knew right when I released this, it was right at the start of the season. The Sarks got, they were very bad from the start of the season. It wasn't like they were good and then gradually got worse. No, they were bad from the start of the season. So that was that was by far the worst division. That and the Devils are the two worst predictions that I've had in this so far. Knights coming second, they came first. Then I had the Calgary Flames coming third. They had a great season last year. They and they came fourth in the division. Arizona coming fourth, they came fifth. Edmonton coming fifth, came second. Now, to be fair, this division was the worst in hockey last year. If you look at the points totals, they had the least amount of points. The leader the Vegas Golden Knights had the least amount of points out of every division winner in hockey. But they won the division, so that's all that matters. And Edmonton surprised me. I thought Connor McDavid would... I mean, he was. I had him winning the MVP, but I thought he'd... It's hard to carry this franchise. Him and Leon Dreisaitl, they're... I think Dreisaitl won the MVP, didn't he? He won the Hart Trophy? I haven't really... I, I've been bad at following certain things so far this season. I'm sorry. But he was, it was like, oh, then this is going to be hard for these two to carry this team. I had them coming fifth, which was way, which was better than they were last year. I get my expectations a little lower than what they actually were. I think fifth was a fair preseason evaluation of the Oilers. Now, obviously, they stunk up the world in the playoffs, losing the Blackhawks first round in pretty unconvincing fashion. But you know what? I'll take fifth, even though they came second. Vancouver sixth, they came third. They had themselves a pretty good team this year. I didn't really... I think I had a little too much faith in the Coyotes this year. <laughs> or the... I should, should I say the Sharks? Yeah, that's probably be the main one I'm talking about. Uh, now we had the NIM Ducks coming 7th. They came 6th. And the LA Kings coming 8th. They came 7th. In a normal year, the Kings with that terrible roster they have would usually come in last place. But the Sharks were so bad that they were like, no, Kings will take this from you. So the playoff seeding, now this was different playoffs, so I'm not even going to read the playoff seeding. It doesn't even really matter. But this is what I am the most proud of. Do I have a playoff bracket? Do they have playoff brackets on here? It doesn't look like they have a playoff bracket. But you know what? It doesn't even matter. I'm not going to read any of the other games that I had in this. I had 
the Dallas Stars versus the Tampa Bay Lightning in the Stanley Cup Final with the Tampa Bay Lightning winning the Stanley Cup Final. Yeah, I know. Out of uh, My predictions were not fantastic. I should have probably done some adjusting once COVID-19 came into play and the season restarted, but you know what? I didn't. The predictions as a whole weren't actually too terrible, but the Tampa Bay Lightning winning the Stanley Cup over the Dallas Stars was my best prediction I have made in a very long time. I think it's one of the first times I've gotten the championship right from preseason and haven't changed it the entire season. And yeah, that's what got us to this point. Now I will read this. The, the this was pre-COVID, so of course the playoff matchups are going to be different. Actually, no, it doesn't even matter. We're running low on time, anyways. I want to get to my MLB predictions so far. We'll look at some awards so I can see how I did with the award show this year. Because I know I didn't do great on predictions, but you know what? Yeah, there we go. Leon Dreisaitl later added the Hart Trophy. Yeah. He also won the Art Ross Trophy. I had his Edmonton Oilers teammate, Connor McDavid, winning both of those trophies. I had Nathan McKinnon coming in second in both of them. Uh, the Rocket Richard Trophy, for those of you who don't know, is the leader in goals for the NHL. So who did that this year? Ovech- okay, Ovechkin and Pasternak tied for the lead. So I kind of got that at Austin Matthews up there as well, who came s- second. He had 47, Ovechkin and Pasternak had 48, so I will take that. I will take that. And you know what else? As I keep scrolling, if... Do they... Wait a minute. Hold on. My computer's messed around with me real quick. Okay, hold on. Because I want to see if this is right. The website I found is not really accurate. Let's see if this was actually right. Please be this year. Please be this year because that would be so awesome. That's from 2018. But, okay, let's – I don't know if all the trophies have been announced, but I had Victor Hedman from the Tampa Bay Lightning winning the Norris Trophy for best defenseman in the NHL. He obviously was named the Conn Smythe winner, if I remember correctly, from the NHL Stanley Cup Final. I had Jack Hughes from the New Jersey Devils winning the Calder Trophy. I had Cal Maker winning it, also coming in second. Selke Trophy and Mark Stone for the from the Golden Knights and Patrice Bergeron because he loves himself a Selkie trophy coming in second the Vincenza trophy uh had Andre Vasilevsky from the Lightning and then Ben Bishop coming in second and the Jack Adams trophy John Hines good lord no did John Hines win the Jack Adams trophy that is good lord I don't know which one's worse Jack John John Hines winning the Jack Adams Trophy or bringing the San Jose Sharks to win the Pacific Division. I don't know which one's worse. Good Lord. But overall, I would say those aren't terrible predictions. I think there are obviously faults in those predictions. In every prediction that you ever have, there will be faults in them. But now let's go to the MLB ones. Now we are obviously in the World Series. So let's go look at what we had for this. Uh. This looks like preseason. I did do adjusted COVID ones too. So I'll have to pull those ones up as well. I did those on my phone though. So I'll have to pull those. I think I posted them on Twitter and got in a fight with the, or not fight, but like tweet discussion with a Toronto Blue Jays fan, like super duper Toronto Blue Jays fan who was getting all mad at me because I had the Red Sox over the Toronto Blue Jays in my preseason predictions. So, which is fair. I had the Red Sox slightly above. I'm not going to say I had them miles above the Toronto Blue Jays this season, but they were they were above them. So I, I'll admit where I'm wrong, and that prediction was very wrong. It wasn't a great prediction. But the rest of it, though, we'll read out this once I can actually find it. I'm scrolling down through my show's Twitter account, which I haven't posted on a very, very long time. Okay. So that's the playoffs. I want regular season. So here's the regular season that I had for... We'll go through both rankings. So for my preseason predictions, I had the Yankees winning the AL East with the Rays, Red Sox, Blue Jays, Orioles. Same thing for my post-COVID or COVID times predictions. The Obviously, AL East finished Tampa, New York, Toronto, Baltimore, and Boston. Boston sucked dick this year. So that one... 
I'm not. I'm upset about. Yeah. Okay. I'm not even gonna try and say I'm not that upset. I'm upset. AL Central. Did I keep it the same. I did. Twins, White Sox, Indians, Royals, and Tigers was my predictions, and that's exactly what it was. Twins, White Sox, Indians, Royals, and Tigers had kept them the same for both. Didn't change those ones at all for the AL West. Astros, A's, Angels, Rangers, and Mariners. It went A's, Astros, Mariners, Angels, Rangers. Rangers sucked. They were they were terrible. Record-wise, they were the second-worst team in baseball right next to the Pittsburgh Pirates. Um, yeah, that one, that one was bad. I had more faith in the Angels this year with some of the people they got. Rendon, Trout finally getting some health. Otani being healthy. Madden being there, but it'll take a little bit. Their pitching still not that good. They allowed 321 runs, which was the second most in the AL, right behind the lovely Boston Red Sox. Yeah, that one wasn't great. Uh, the Astros, I didn't know that they, they would be this affected by the cheating scandal as they were this season. They struggled to deal with the the hate they were getting. They played bad at times. Played well in the playoffs, but played bad during the regular season. Now moving on to the NL with the NL East. We had Braves, Mets, Nats, Phillies, and Marlins. Braves, Mets, Nats, Phillies, Marlins. Okay, I had the same for both. Finished Braves, Marlins, Phillies, Mets, Nationals. Nationals won the World Series, so you can forgive me to not putting them in dead last in the division. I did have them coming in third. Which, to be fair, that's only two games behind the Philadelphia Phillies, who came in third. And same with the Mets, who finished with 26. And it wasn't like there was a clear runaway winner for this second place spot. The Braves ran away with the division, which was what we expected. A lot of people had the Braves coming like fourth or third, which made zero sense to me because of how talented and young this roster was, spearheaded by Acuna, Ozzy Albies, and Dansby Swanson. It didn't make sense to me that these people actually thought this team would be bad. They almost were in the World Series, for crying out loud. But they're an Atlanta team, so they choked it away, and now the Dodgers and Rays are in the World Series, which we'll talk about that in a little bit. So, yeah, Rays winning it wasn't too hard to predict. For the NL Central, see if I changed anything here. I did not. Cubs, Reds, Cardinals, Brewers, and Pirates was my prediction. Finished Cubs, Cardinals, Reds, Brewers, and Pirates. Yeah, I knew the, I figured the, a lot of people liked the Brewers this year, and it really didn't make sense why. They lost a lot of good pieces in their team. It didn't really do a good enough job replacing them. So I was kind of confused why everyone was hyping them up. And, whoa, 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 wait, 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 actually, in this picture, the one I'm looking on ESPN, the Reds actually finished with more wins. They finished with the same exact win percentage, Cardinals and the Reds, but the Reds had more wins. So you know what? I'm taking that. I'm taking it. <laughs> I'm taking it. Reds came second. I know it's not listed like that because the Cardinals had one less loss, but also one less win. So I will take that. We'll count it because they're essentially tied I was struggling to figure out which place I wanted to put these two teams anyways. And the Reds also had a better home record. So you know what? We're taking the Reds in that one. So that division, according to myself, is spot on. Now, according to ESPN, the Cardinals are technically above the Reds based off one less win. But they do have one less or one less loss, but they do also have one less win. So we're taking that into account here just so it fits my narrative here. <laughs> so that one we got spot on. Okay, we won't count it as spot on. But we the Pirates... We're easily going to be the worst team in the division. I think everybody knew that. There was no, the Pirates were in no shape to compete in this division, and they absolutely got slaughtered. And then the NL West, we got the dot, both of them, same exact thing. We took, we kept them the same, and I don't remember looking at my preseason predictions to go along with my postseason or my um, post-COVID predictions, I guess, or pre-COVID during COVID predictions. Dodgers, Padres, Diamondbacks, Rockies, Giants is what I had. And you know what? That is pretty close. I was on the Padres bandwagon since last year. I don't know if there's any episodes of the old Logan Blackman show from me talking about the Padres, but I have been on this bandwagon for a while now. That's why when Manny Machado and Bryce Harper were free agents, I was like, dudes, sign for the Padres. They got the best farm system in baseball. They got some great prospects coming up. Sign in San Diego. And that's what happened. And the Padres, to their credit, finished with the second best record in the entire NL. Second best record in baseball, I should say. 37 wins. Good Lord. 
Now, there were some people that were on the bandwagon, but not like the Logan Blackman show. This is why you listen to Logan Blackman show, because we had the Padres coming in second. Diamondbacks, I mean, they finished four games behind the Giants. Giants came last. I got the Brockies position dead on, but I just thought the Giants roster was way worse than everybody else's roster in this division. I thought the Giants roster was absolutely terrible, but came second. So congratulations to the San Francisco Giants are coming second in the Dodgers division. But Padres, though, coming in second, making me look smart, making me look real smart. Playoffs. Do we do the playoffs for this one? Because these ones are different. No, we'll do We'll read off. Oh, oh, wait. I Dodgers Braves in the NLCS. So I'll take that one as well. I will take it. I had the Astros in the ALCS and I had the Rays losing to the Yankees the game before the NLCS. But you know what? We move. So my playoff predictions here for seeding wise. Let's see if they have the seeds on um on here. Overall. No, we gotta just do league. Do league standings. Okay, so here was my playoff predictions. Now this is the COVID ones. Yankees winning it. They did not win it. They came what sixth. Astros in second. They did not. They came eighth. Twins. Now this is all predict. The top four teams. Wait. Actually, no. That's not what it was. Well, at least in this standings, whatever. The Twins in third. They had the second best record. This is just record. But if you remember the there was the two, the the winners of each division, second place teams, and then two wild card teams. So I had the Yankees, Astros, Twins, Rays, A's, White Sox, Indians, and Angels. Rays, Twins, Athletics, White Sox, Indians, Yankees, Blue Jays, Astros. So I had what? I had the Rays, I had the Twins, A's, White Sox, Indians, Yankees, Astros. So I had, every, I had seven teams out of the eight in the playoffs. Not the correct order, but... Seven of the eight teams in the playoffs is damn impressive. I had more faith in the Angels, and actually, I had the Angels as my eighth team. They didn't make the playoffs, so I barely had them in anyways. So I'll take that. And then for the NL, I think there's no surprise that the Dodgers won the stupid thing. But Dodgers, Braves, Cubs, Mets, Reds, Padres, Nats, and Cardinals. It was the Dodgers, Padres, Braves, Cubs, Cards, Reds, Marlins, and Brewers. Not a lot of people that thought the Marlins would make the playoffs, so I'll... I'll hold my hand up and say I got that one way wrong. But I also had the Nats and the Mets in the playoffs. They both obviously did not make it. So I got six out of the eight in the NL. So in total, I got 15 out of... Wait. Is that right? No, 14 out of 16. That's impressive. I will take that. 14 out of 16. Playoff team's correct. You know what? I will take that to the bank. I will take... I will take that every step second of the way. Now, for the World Series, I had the Dodgers winning it. Walker Buehler winning the MVP award. In that, for the World Series, in my preseason ones, I had the Dodgers winning it with Mookie Betts winning the MVP. I was close to my preseason predictions. I had the Yankees beating the Rays in the playoffs. Is that the team the Yankees lost to? I've... I'm sorry. I've been... I've talked about this. When the Cubs got absolutely slaughtered by the Marlins, I was kind of like... I tapped out of the playoffs, kind of. But we had the Rays one game out of the NLCS. Astros we had in it, though we had them overall better than what they actually finished this year, record-wise. And then for the NL, we had the Dodgers and Braves in the NLCS. So you know what? I will take that. I will take my preseason predictions for the NHL and MLB. Those are... Those are not dead on, obviously, but they're not bad. I usually fear looking at my postseason predictions. It's one of the things I fear looking at because I want to see how bad I am. Like my Premier League predictions from last year were terrible. My Premier League predictions for this year, again, are going to be terrible. I already know one's going to be way off, and that's Aston Villa because they're the only team in the Premier League that has won every single game. At least that they last time I checked, they might have lost their last game. Now that I'm thinking about it, but that one's gonna be way off. Gonna be way, way off. For the NFL, there's nothing really so far at this point that I'm really concerned about. I would probably say the one most concerning is the Vikings. I have them going eleven and five. They're currently one and five. So I don't think they're doing that. The Bears are five and one right now. I had them going six and ten. I teetered on 6-10 and 10 up until 8-8. Eight and eight. I, I just teetered along that line. 
The Eagles finishing nine and seven can't happen because they tied a game. Same with the Bengals. I had them finishing four and twelve. They tied, so they can't do that. Rams and Cardinals at seven and nine. Now remember, I redid my rankings. So my first ones, I had them both at eight and eight. I was more comfortable with the eight and eight. But the one record that I was really upset about, one that I did not like, I had the Washington football team going five and eleven, and that one I was like, no, we're not doing that. So that was really what sparked the redo in the rankings. But nothing too terrible right now. They're probably they're not going to be perfect. I we had good success on last year's rankings, but this year, you know what? I'll take a good one because the MLB and NHL ones actually weren't that bad. So I'll take it. So that's all I've got for you today on this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. It's a little later than what we normally release an episode on, but you know what? It's released eventually, and it's almost five o'clock. I get ready for my night class. So I will see you all on Friday. We'll preview some football and have some fun. It'll be a fun show Friday. I think today went really well. I think today was a fun show. So remember to go and get some Logan Blackman Show apparel that's on Teespring. The link I posted on Facebook. So you can go look at that and go copy your because Everything's lowered price. Everything's on sale, I guess. It's just cheaper. So make sure you go and get yourself some of that. And with that being said, I will see you all later. Peace.